So uh, I'll tell the abbreviated version for those of you who have not. Uh, in, in packing school lunches, part of my strategy was always get as much done at the beginning of the week to make the rest of the week go quickly and easily. So uh, if we had a bag of chips or cookies or something like that, I would divide them out into to little smaller bags at the beginning of the week and put them in the, the, the cabinet so that throughout the week we could just kind of grab whatever we needed and put them in lunch boxes. It would go much more quickly that way. So this one particular week, uh, we had Oreo cookies, and I divided them out into bags. Now, the thing about the bags is if the bags survive to the weekend, like you can't eat them other than, school, other than for school lunches during the week, but if they make it to the weekend, then it's free game, right? It's a free-for-all, whoever wants, whoever gets there first. So it was a Saturday, and I went to the cabinet, and I got a bag of Oreo cookies that had made it through the week, and I started to eat them, and I noticed that they had separated from the filling, right? All of them had separated from the filling, and there was no filling in the entire bag. This is years ago. My, my youngest little cherub had taken the Oreo cookie bag, had licked the filling out of all of them, I knew this because of the teeth marks on some of the cookies that I was eating. And then she put them all back in the bag, sealed it, and put it back in the cabinet for Dad to be able to enjoy. Now, here's the thing about Oreo cookies. If there's no filling, it's not an Oreo cookie, right? It's a chocolate cookie. Now, I got nothing against chocolate cookies. Chocolate cookies are fine. They're good. They taste great. But they're not Oreos. If you're missing the filling, you're not an Oreo. So don't call yourself an Oreo. Right? Don't pretend to be an Oreo, because you're not an Oreo without the filling. Now, we're talking about the church in this series called Better Together, and we've talked about how the church is God's idea, and Jesus started it, and Jesus dies for the church, loves the church, calls the church his bride, like he has this real emotional, relational connection to the church that he started, because he says, that's my bride, and, and I love the church, but... At the end of his life, Jesus got really, really specific about something that the church is supposed to be doing. And, and, and he was so specific that, that it's almost kind of like Oreos. Without this peace, I don't know that you can call yourself a church. Like if you don't have this going on, it's like chocolate cookies. It's not that the other stuff isn't good and needed and helpful and, and fulfilling and great. All the other things are great. But Jesus, at the end of his life, got really, really, really specific in his ask. As if to say, look, you've got to do this when I'm gone you got to do this. This is, this is not negotiable. This has to be a part of who my people are and who the church is. It's, it's like parenting. Parents, have you found that you got to get really specific when you give instructions to kids? Like You can't give vague generalities to kids. Maybe your kids aren't like mine, but we're all going to clean our own dish is not enough in my house. I don't know about your house because... When I say, everybody clean up your own dishes, my kids interpret that as maybe I'll take my, my plate from the table and I'll put it on the counter and I'll walk away. 
that's not what I wanted. Right? I wanted something really specific. And so the instruction has to be, you're going to take your plate to the sink. You're going to put the extra food in the trash can or the disposer. You're going to rinse it off. You're going to put it in the dishwasher. Then you're going to go get your silverware and your cup, and you're going to bring those, and you're going to do the same thing. You have to get really specific when you're giving instructions, and that's, that's Jesus. He gets really specific at the end of his life. Like You've got to be doing this. Almost as if Jesus is going to look at us one day and he's going to say, all right, but tell me about this. Another parenting thing. If I give my kids something specific to do and I come back later and I ask them if they've done it and they haven't done it, you know what the first thing they do is? They tell me all the other stuff they did. Like, yeah, but I had to study yeah, and, and, and then I had to figure out what I'm going to wear tomorrow. And then somebody texted me about an assignment. And I had, to, I had to tell them how to do the assignment. And then I had to decide how I'm going to do my hair tomorrow, what shoes I'm going to wear. Like, and all of those things may be great. Those are wonderful things that you did. Here's the problem. You didn't do the one thing I asked you to do. You didn't do that thing that I was really specific about. I was really, take your plate, wash it all, put it. I told you what I wanted to do. And all of those other things are awesome. All of those other things are great. It's just not the one thing I got really specific about. You see, sometimes in parenting, part of our problem is we're vague in our, our uh, instructions. And so they're vague in their obedience, right? Because we're not specific in our instructions and they're not specific in their obedience. And the other problem is because our kids have listened to us most of the time, right? If your kids are like my kids, which is what we did as kids, right? Which is what we still do as husbands, exactly, because we kind of half listen. Yes. So that's not what Jesus does. Jesus knows this about his kids. He knows we have listened. He knows he's got to be very specific. So at the end of his life, he says, all right, I, just, I want to make sure you do this one thing. Other things are good and great. You need to do those too. But there's one thing I really, really want. He says it twice. One is found in Matthew chapter 28, right at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 28, this is the last couple of verses. And Jesus says this, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus coming to his final moments, final opportunities to pass on instruction and wisdom and commands to his people and eventually commands to his church. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get more people. I want you to go find more people. I want you to go look for more people. I want you to invite more people. I want you to love more people into a relationship with me. I want you to help more and more people to know Christ. I want you to do that. That's the one thing I'm really, really specific on. And then the, the absolute mic drop moment for Jesus comes in Acts 1-8. We've been hanging out in Acts 2 for a little while. In Acts 1-8, I mean, this is literally the last thing Jesus says on this earth. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mic drop moment like no other because Jesus just rises up to heaven after that, right? Like before there was ever a mic drop moment, that's Jesus. Be my witnesses. Boom, I'm out of here. Right? Jesus out. <laughs> this is the last thing he says. Look at me. Pay attention to me. This is the last word you're going to get from me. Tell people about me. You be me to the world now. You be an example of me. Where you live, outside of where you live, all around the world. Wherever you can get to. Wherever you're going to go. With your friends and your neighbors and people that you just meet. and Wherever you can get to. You be an example of me. It's the last word he speaks. Again, a lot of parenting examples today, but it's like that last word you give your kids before you drop them off at somebody's house, right? There's a sleepover, right? So spend the night party. They're going to grandma's, and you've, you've said everything to the adults, and you're getting ready to get in the car, and you got that one last moment with Junior, right? And what do you do? You don't have time to cover all the rules. Like, you can't open up the whole playbook and go through every page, and so you look them and you give them that stern look, right? You be respectful. You say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am, right? Okay, don't hit your sister. Right? Whatever it is. Okay, don't traumatize grandma again. <laughs> Grandma's got enough emotional issues right now. She's, right? Leave the cat alone. Don't set anything on fire. Right? Okay. Here's typically what it is. It's, it's the thing you're most worried about that they're going to do. Or it's the thing they did last time that you want to make sure they don't do this time. Right? you got just a minute. And you give them that look and you put your finger in their face and you talk in that voice. i got one more. And then I'm in the car and I'm gone. That's Jesus. So i got, I got this moment. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think he put his finger in their face. I don't think it was a stern voice. But it was, this is it. This is the last thing you're ever going to hear me say on earth. Tell people about me. Go, go help other people to know me. Invite more people into the kingdom. Help more people experience love and mercy and grace and forgiveness like you've experienced. That grace that you're living in, that you sang about, that you were here and you were all in and you're lifting up your voice. Just Jesus is saying, yeah, go find somebody who's not doing that yet and start helping them get here. Start helping them get into relationship with me, be my witness. Oh, make disciples. Get more people into the kingdom. And for, and for our series, this idea of better together, this is where that piece fits. We are better together, but we aren't meant to just be together. We are better together, but we aren't meant to just be together. I mean, this isn't the sum total of what Jesus has asked from us. This is great. Everything we've talked about. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to share each other's struggles. We're going to celebrate the breakthroughs that we have like we talked about last week. I mean, this is awesome. But this is not the end of what we're supposed to be doing together. This is a mission that's got to get accomplished. I mean, better together doesn't end with me. Better together is not this huge cul-de-sac that pulls right into Ken and whatever Ken likes and wants and wherever Ken's 
Ken's comfortable. That's not what better together is. We're better together, but we're together on a mission. Jesus was crystal clear. You have got to get more people into the kingdom. That's got to be a focus for you. It's the greatest temptation. I think this is why Jesus said it at the end, just like a parent. It is the greatest temptation of every church to fall in love with the together because the together is so good and it should be good. And we've experienced a year of really good together. The temptation, though, of every church is to fall in love with that and get to a place where we think, okay, this is great. Let's just kind of let everything be just like this forever. Let's just hang here. We got our together, and I know people. My friends are now here, and so let's just be together, and let's just do this every week. It's the greatest temptation. But Jesus did not leave that as an option when he left the earth. Jesus did not leave as an option, get some of your friends together, y'all have a great little church, and just kind of do your thing until you die. Jesus said, get together and And yeah, love each other and support each other and pray for each other and worship together. But do that so that you're then empowered to go out and help other people come do that. So then you're empowered. You're courageous enough to take my name to other people. I mean, the very last instruction Jesus gave was not take care of the people that are already here. Even though that's a great thing. That's an awesome thing. We're going to do that. But that's not, that was not Jesus' last words. His last words were, go find people who aren't here yet and get them here. Get them into my family. Bring them into the kingdom. Bring them into to a church where they'll be loved and encouraged and supported until they're ready to start following Christ. It, it happened in the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. We read this last week. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, there's this beautiful picture of this church, better together, us coming together, of this spilling over into the week. Right? For the early church, they didn't just kind of get together on Sunday and do their religious thing and then go back to their lives. Luke says what happened is their faith, just it was a part of every day of their life. It kind of spilled over into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all the way through Saturday. And they came back together and they worshiped again and they got charged up and they, they spent time with Jesus. And then that faith spilled over into Monday and Tuesday. And that's, that's just what their life was like. Church wasn't their spiritual life. Their spiritual life was actually their life. Like It was all the time that they were committed to God. And what he was doing in their life was leaking out onto other people. Luke says they were, they were sincere people. Like they had sincere hearts. They weren't faking it. They weren't pretending. They weren't trying to speak kind of this religious language that nobody knew. They were really sincere people. They weren't perfect people. Like they didn't get it right all the time, but they weren't trying to fake it. They weren't hypocrites. They were real, genuine people who loved God and loved other people. And with all of their hearts, they wanted more people to discover what they had discovered. And because of that, people took notice. 
Luke says they, were not, they, they not only had sincere hearts, they had glad hearts. They were joyful people. When people met the early church, when they, they met individuals who belonged to the early church, their impression of them was, man, they're real, they're sincere, and they're full of joy. They're just happy all the time. Like It's not that they never have problems. It's not that. It's just like there's something deep within them. There's this joy about them whenever I'm around them. And that was like a magnet to people. So people thought, man, I, I don't know what that is. I don't even know if I believe what they believe. But I like them. Eugene Peterson paraphrases verse 47 this way. People in general, this is people outside the church, people in general liked what they saw. And they got around these believers who were better together and had this joy and this sincerity in their heart. People thought, man, I, I like them. I, I don't know if I believe what they believe, but I like them and I want to know more about them. Which gave opportunity for early followers of Jesus to introduce more people and more people to Jesus. So then at the end of verse 47, we read, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church understood their mission. It wasn't just to kind of camp out and have fun and sing our favorite songs. It was to follow Jesus with all of our heart and recognize we're here to get more people into the kingdom. We're here to share the love of Jesus with more and more people. And apparently the early church never had the thought, well, you know, I kind of like our church the way it is. Apparently that never occurred to them. And I just kind of like who we have and what we're doing. Let's just kind of maintain everything. The early church was not about maintenance. The early church was about explosion. Like We got to tell more people. We got to let more people know that this is going on. And an Oreo is not an Oreo without a creamy filling in a church. It's not a church if it's not on mission. Now, it's not either or. It's not either or. It's not like, okay, we're going we're gonna to quit all the other ministries here and we're just going to all go out witnessing. Right? That's not what it is. It's both and. As a matter of fact, everything that we're doing here, hopefully, is helping people come to know Christ. It's introducing people to Christ. Hopefully, everything we're doing here is able to partner with you when you have people in your life who need to know Jesus. See, I have, I have neighbors who need to know Jesus. I need neighbors who are far from God right now. And what I'm hoping is that I can get them here and they can meet you, a bunch of glad and sincere people, a bunch of joyful people who just love being here. And Christ has changed your life, and they could kind of get to know more of you, and their kids could have a great time in children's ministry, and their teenagers could have a great time in student ministry, and they could learn more about God in those areas. And maybe they could connect to a small group at some point and get to know more people more personally and and by the experience of them being around us that hopefully they would go from being far from God to being in relationship with God. You see, coming together is a part of this process. We just can't forget that the together is not necessarily the mission. We're here to, to partner Our church is here to partner with your efforts to bring more people into the kingdom. That's why on Sunday, 
our volunteers, our, our, our greeters and guest services and coffee people and children's ministry people and ushers and parking people um, and our, our technology and, uh, uh, people have all, all have to remember, you know what, this could be somebody's first time here. This could be somebody's first time in church. This could be somebody's first time in church in a really, really long time. That's why you have to remember that any Sunday on your row, there could be somebody sitting. It's their first time. They're just checking things out. They're not sure they're ever going to come back. But if, if they met somebody with glad and sincere hearts, maybe they would come back and maybe they would hear more of the message of God and maybe they would connect more and maybe they would go from being far from God to being in a relationship with God. And, and the truth is, some of us would feel very, very comfortable talking to somebody about the Bible, explaining salvation, sharing our testimonies, a phrase that we use, just telling what God's done in our life. Like we would be very comfortable for hours just sitting down and talking about Bible stuff. And the, the truth is, some of us probably wouldn't. But all of us can say, hey, why don't you come with me? It's, I go to this church, it's meant a lot to me, it's helped me, why don't you just go with me? It's one of the invitations that was extended often in the New Testament. It was just come and see. Just, just come and see if you feel what I felt. Just come and see if you like it as much as I liked it. Come and see if your kids like it like my kids like it. Just come and see. All of us can do that. Just, just come and see. And it's one of the great things about better together is that you know people to invite that I don't know. And I know people to invite that you don't know. And I have different neighbors than you have. And I have different friends than you have. And different relatives than you have. And because we're together, we can reach into more circles and more pockets and find more people. When Jesus gives his instructions in Matthew 28, he says, Go to all nations. Look, go, go everywhere. Get in as many places as you can get in and tell them about me. Introduce them to me and then help them grow in their faith. Help them discover more and more about my word and about my will for their life. Everybody do it. Not just like a couple of people. Everybody do this. It's, it, it causes us to have to, have to prioritize as a church. It causes us to have to frequently ask ourselves, all right, what's the primary thing we're about? It's not that we aren't about other things, but what's the primary thing we're about? And Jesus got really clear. Find more people. Get more people into my family. Introduce more people to me. Share your life and your faith with more people. That's primary. Everything else is secondary. Anything that helps us, any program or ministry or opportunity that helps us potentially introduce more people to Jesus, that's primary. Everything else is secondary. Everything else matters way less than are we a church on mission. And here's the reality. The longer we exist... As a church, the, the longer we're together as journey, the more we'll feel the tug of the secondary. The more less important things begin to feel more important. 
the more me and my and, and what I'm comfortable and what I like, the more that tries to rise up the priority ladder and mission begins to fall down the priority ladder. It's true in every single church. Every church feels just part of the life cycle of a church. Feel this tug towards making secondary things more important when Jesus got really clear about what the most important thing was. So if we're better together, we want to be better at accomplishing the mission that Jesus left us. And I know some of us feel really inadequate when it comes to this piece of obeying Jesus. Maybe all of us do. Maybe all of us feel really inadequate at bringing this conversation up. That's the beauty of how Jesus introduced it both times. In Matthew 28, before Jesus says, go and get people, go and make disciples, go and find people to introduce to me, Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I think Jesus knew that this ask, this command was going to be tough. Like we, were gonna, uh, we, were, we were gonna go, I'm not sure I can do that. So he starts, before he tells us what to do, he says, Look, I've I got all power in heaven and earth. Like I'm over everything. Like I'm sovereign. I, I have authority over everything. That's Jesus' way of saying to us, you know what, we can handle this. We, we can do this. You can do this. You can make an invitation. You can make an ask. You can share some of your faith journey with somebody because you're not alone. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of that, he says, I've got all authority, all power, I'm sovereign, I'm in control. And then at the end of that statement, he says, and surely I'm with you always. So Jesus has all authority and he's with us to accomplish what he's asked us to do. In in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, before he says, be witnesses, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. you got power. You've got strength. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is with us. We're not doing this on our own tomorrow where you work in your neighborhood with your friends. You're not doing this on your own. Jesus says, I'm going to give you what you need. Just trust me. We can do this. We can handle this. We can open that conversation together. So that's... That's my challenge. Listen for opportunities going forward to, to just open the conversation. I, I, don't, I don't mean like quote 50 Bible verses all at one time. I, I don't mean tell your whole life story. I don't mean that at all. I, I mean just listen for opportunities with people that you know to just open the door. Maybe say come and see. Maybe say, yeah, I've been there. Here's something that helped me. Or, look, I don't have all the answers, but I go to a really good church. It's meant a lot to me. I'm glad to meet you at the 9 o'clock service. Listen for people who may, during your week, say things aren't going real well in their life. Or they're facing a struggle. Or there's something with their kids. Or something's happening with their family. Or, or maybe they're in the middle of a big transition. Or, or maybe they don't know a particular decision to make. Just listen for little cues that might be our opportunity. To say, look, I don't have all the answers. But my spiritual life has meant a lot to me. And I, here's a church that I go to. I'd love for you to come with me. We are better together. But Jesus 
put us together to be on mission. Let's never let that fall down the ladder of what's most important. Let's pray. God, thank you for bringing us together, but reminding us that there are other people that need to be together with us, and they're not here yet. They don't know you yet. They're far from God right now. God, thank you for giving us a mission, a purpose, a direction, a goal. That we would be your witnesses, that, that we would speak of you, that we would live out our faith, that, that what we do on Sunday would spill over into the rest of the week and we'd walk close to you and we'd, we'd be sensitive to those moments when you, you open a door for us to just share something of spiritual value with another person. Maybe offer to pray with somebody. Maybe invite somebody to come and see. God, you've done such incredible work over the last year. But God, you did it so that more people could know you. More people could come into your family. More people could come into your kingdom, be saved for all eternity. And so help us not be satisfied with anything Less than that as a church. Help us to be a people on mission. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.